0: Hey, what's going on? This is Jeremy Thone, marketing director of 3PL Systems, host of 3PL Live. Happy 2024, we've made it. I'm excited to share an interview with Coleman Ruffin. He is the VP of operations over at Beta Consulting Group under Trey Griggs. Coleman's a really smart guy, so it's a really interesting conversation. We get into the fundamentals essentially of personal branding and how to do it well. And since Coleman works under Trey, there's no person better to learn from. So hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, Coleman, thanks for coming on to 3PL Live. I'm excited to have you on the show. For those that don't know you, would you just mind introducing yourself?
1: Yeah. First and foremost, I appreciate you having me on. I always love chopping it up with you and and love the content that you're putting out there. But for those that don't know me, my name is Coleman Ruff and I'm the VP of operations over at Beta Consulting Group. And what we do here for our clients is is really help clarify their go-to-market message. We do that through a couple of different ways, one of which is a messaging workshop. So really refining the content that you're putting out there. Also, we have your customers talk on your behalf. So customer testimonials is the other avenue that we provide for our clients and I oversee that. That operation.
0: Customer testimonials is huge. You actually just did one for us with one of our clients over at Port Jersey Logistics, Alfredo Fumakis, who's a great guy. He's got his yeah. own podcast as well. But I thought the he had talked about actually in that testimonial that you did that they were able to repurpose someone from our TMS that was a clerk uh, into like a more interesting job as like a logistics coordinator. So I thought that was a really yep. and that was only just one piece of the the testimonial. There's actually like three more shorts and then like a full clip. So you guys did a really great job on that and I really believe in the power of social proof and especially video social proof because it's easier to, I think, fake a text. It's not as easy, at least not at the time, to fake video. Yep. Thoughts on that?
1: 100%. Yeah. And I 100% agree with you. And, you know, I think that there's two aspects to that where you're 100% right that having your customers talk about the the things that you have helped them succeed with, help them do throughout their jobs and careers uh, goes a lot further than having somebody who's strictly in sales just saying, hey, come sign up for our product, right? Hearing the proof or the actual cases that and success stories of clients goes a long way. But also on the flip side, I'd like to give a shout out to you and your team, because I think that's a testament to really how well you all are doing, right? I think that there's so much different technology that's getting spewed out there lately, especially in the supply chain and logistics space, but the ones that are truly standing apart are adding value to companies. So obviously solving a problem within the industry, but in that case, right, Alfredo's case, finding ways that they can be more efficient and effective with their time and having people focus on other aspects of the job. Eliminating some of those mundane tasks goes a a really long way. So shout out to you and the uh, 3PL systems team as well.
0: Thanks. We appreciate that. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So the purpose of today's conversation is mainly kind of just personal branding in the freight space or freight tech or freight space in general supply chain. Thoughts overall on it? Do you think that it seems like it's getting more popular, which is awesome to see? Just thoughts on like, is there any creators, I guess, for one that stand out to you? As far as anyone that you think that's doing it? Well, I guess we could just start there.
1: Definitely. Well, and going back to the original part of that, first and foremost, I I personally believe building your personal brand is an absolute must, right? I started out in in a sales seat within the supply chain logistics space, and it was Mm. all about just selling, 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 pounding the phone, emails, whatever it is. But you're you're right, where I, I see our industry going is people being a little bit more out there, sharing their stories a little bit more and saying, hey, this is what I'm all about. And it almost makes for a a warm intro whenever you're talking with somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that branding yourself and building your network is absolutely essential in terms of people that are doing well with it, Obviously, shout out to Trey, right? I think that's yeah, a, big I, yeah, a big reason why I, yeah, big reason why I am here today is because back when I was in in a recruiting seat, I actually tried to recruit him for a position, and he was happy where he was at. And he said, "Hey, you know what? You should come join this podcast and in, in this group of people." And I feel like that was a big sh- or step in my uh, networking journey. Hmm. Um, you know, I think that the people over at Freightvana, Josh, Ricky, and that team are doing a phenomenal job. And again, 100%. I think it, it just provides a a warm introduction, a little bit behind the curtain of what's going on with these companies. And it connects you with people a lot more.
0: Yeah, what's your thoughts on this? Because I think my vision from like a like a marketing leader perspective is that uh, I think that Freightvana does it right. I think that at some yep. point, most companies are going to have people on their staff that write content. We're actually starting to do it pretty well at 3PL as well. Like Mike's writing content, Cameron's writing content, I write content, and then Anthony, our new sales rep, writes content as well. I yeah. think that the smart companies are going to take advantage of that and then yeah. kind of push for it in some sort of way. And I've talked about this before with other people, but I think part of the problem is, is that the people that are working in those positions are scared to write content sometimes because they're just worried about, like, there's no guardrails, essentially, or they're worried yeah. about what to say, what not to say, and worried yeah. about, I guess, how they're going to reflect on the company type of thing. And I think that the companies that are smarter about it are just using that leverage. to Because people buy from people at the end of the day, They they, they might yep. buy from a brand but they they usually buy from people that they like and that they trust so yeah thoughts on that like as far as like these pods almost like if we look at freight vana is like a example it seems like that's like a good use case of like that style
1: very much so and i think that it, something that you and i have talked about before is that there's always a. Uh a line to be drawn. I think that it, fair when you are hiring people and going through the recruiting process to bring people on your team, yes, you're definitely looking at if they can do the job appropriately. But I think you also look at that other stuff that's outside of the day-to-day job. And I think that you're hiring them for a reason. I think that you are building in that trust to say, hey... Jeremy or hey Coleman you know i i trust you to represent our brand in a, in a well manner and not overstep a bound that's that's part of or is going to be a big part of the recruiting process as well as is understanding in understanding the, their job capabilities but also what they bring outside of that and then you're 100% right where i think that companies need to be able to trust their employees and talk about culture right like everybody is always harping on oh we have the <laughs> best culture out there but i think that trust is a huge factor in that cultural perspective. Now, there's always the lines that I think that need to be drawn or guidelines that should be set because I think that there are times where a personal brand can kind of overstep bounds and say, okay, this isn't necessarily what our company believes in. But Mm -hmm. I think you have to empower your people, not only from a creative aspect, but just across everything to to really uh, succeed in, in what they're doing and be creative with it.
0: I love that. But what do you think that if we were to draw a line in the yeah. sand, I think the one thing that obviously stand out to me is don't be negative. Like don't mm-hmm. like start fights with people online because there's a lot of people that love to <laughs> go online and start fighting people for whatever. I have friends like this that just go online on Twitter and start fighting with people about like wars and things of that nature. And I'm just like, dude, yeah. what are you doing? On top of that, like maybe another thing would be like religion or politics. Like I don't think that yeah. those things necessarily belong. Obviously everyone has their own faith or whatever, but I think that if you can keep it maybe like just more just PC in a way or just something more about like work skill development or something or some insights yeah. or something what's your thoughts on that as far as like what's too much I guess and like is there a way of like knowing if it's too much
1: part of that is is the good old model let's keep it PG-13 and mm-hmm. uh, with that being said I think that there's I, I think that that's part of identifying what that line is, is testing the boundaries. And I think it's an old adage that all of us have heard is better ask for forgiveness than permission. Sure. That once you ask for that forgiveness <laughs> that first time, probably don't have to ask for it again, right? Make sure that you aren't crossing that line. And that's a great way to test it. Mm-hmm. I think that you're right where it's, you don't wanna go out there in with the goal of offending other people. Oh, yeah. And or dragging other companies or brands down, right? I think that there's always time for that. And, right, there's sometimes that gets a lot of traction. It's not me going out there and saying, Oh, this podcast is terrible. Like, why would anybody ever listen to that? Right. I don't think that there's any, any value, time, or place for that, or any mm-hmm. good that would come out of that from a business standpoint. So, I think that the motto, it, right, if we've all heard this from even when we were in elementary school, do to others how you would like to have done to yourself. And I think mm. that's a, a pretty good, at least, rule of thumb in general to follow when creating that content.
0: Yeah. I am actually having a conversation with Duner probably about a year and a half ago. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think Dooner is a good, I think that he's a good, if there's a spectrum of things, he would be on the extreme spectrum of like yeah. what you can get away with or whatever. And yeah. I, I think that he he was just like, I I like get electrocuted by hitting the guardrail or whatever, <laughs> but I don't think everyone is at his level, you know, like he's, he's yeah. on his own, like he's got his own thing going or whatever. And I don't think everyone could be that person or whatever. Everyone yeah. has their own style or whatever. Um, Exactly. Let's let's talk a little bit about LinkedIn Live. I'm a fan of LinkedIn Live. I think that you guys do it really well at Beta Consulting. Trey has been on it for a long time. I would say that he's probably one of the first people that I know of that's been doing it in the freight industry. Chris Jolly, obviously the the folks over at Freightways. Cameron and Mike just started a show called 3PL Live sessions as well which is pretty great cool. show too yeah so i'm just wondering I, I love the aspect of live but what do you think is different about live than any other format as far as it seems more risky obviously because like mistakes are live and like yeah I, i've done lives before and they're they're a little more nerve-wracking because like yeah. you just feel like you're just being, i don't know you feel like you're being watched almost and like just i don't it's not yeah. like you can't go edit it out or whatever after
1: exactly and i think that's 100 ex- <laughs> percent. it is that it's it's a lack of control that, that is the biggest iffy thing from our experience with LinkedIn Live or any other type of live content. If something happens, technical difficulties, you kind of have to be able to fly right. by the seam of your pants. The only other negative that we have seen that, that we're still trying to figure out, and I think that everybody that does live content does the exact same thing, but is when to host live events, right? Because even after a live event, you still have it recorded and you still put it up on platforms like YouTube, whatever it may be. If it's at two o'clock on a Thursday, right? Is that the right time to draw in the audience, right? If you're thinking mm. about people at work in the office, are they able to tune in at two? Is it easier over lunch or over lunch? Are they just going out and they want to unplug for a little bit? So mm. that is one of the, the struggles that we have been going through the hurdles with in terms of when to host this. Sure. But I think that the, the biggest benefit of it is that there's a, a genuine aspect to the podcast, right? People are tuning in and they understand that, hey, this is exactly what somebody thinks. It hasn't been doctored up. Like we're not getting any fluff type of material. Mm-hmm. It's straight off the cusp. And I think a lot of people appreciate that. So there's positives and negatives with it for sure. But we've, we've definitely enjoyed it and it, it keeps it a little bit fresh for us. I read
0: some stat that like LinkedIn, there's like 37 X more comments for like live. And I believe that actually, just because it seems like people are just willing, they want to ask questions and they want to be more involved in the conversation. And maybe it's because they know yep. that that's only going to last for that certain time. They're more willing to jump in and do
1: it. I don't know if that's thoughts on that. Definitely. Yeah, I, I think that I think people who are listening to podcasts would love to be a part of the conversation. So, we've mm-hmm. definitely noticed that, that comments and, and interactions as we we're going live definitely have, have ticked up when we're talking about a specific topic that somebody wants to have a question answered or playing a game on a podcast and people are chiming in. It definitely makes it a little bit more fun from an interactive perspective. And I mean, even from my own personal experience, like to think about fantasy football, I'll listen to a fantasy football podcast and they're talking through all this stuff, even though it's been pre recorded in my head, I'm like, man, I wish I could ask this question. I mm-hmm. mean, um, I think that a lot of people, whenever they're consuming, any type of content, wish that there was some sort of interactive ability, which is why I think live solves a lot of
0: that. That's definitely all good points. What about, I haven't really played around with it, but I I look at some of the stats like on the back of LinkedIn to see who's attended. I know that you could see basically a list of people that are like live on the actual event and then I haven't really looked into, does it actually, do you know if it shows you and you might not know this, but do you know if it shows Mm -hmm. you like a list of everyone that's attended and have you guys looked at that information to
1: mine insights out of it at all? Definitely. So, who actually clicks on the button attend, <clears throat> you will have a list of all of those people. In terms of people that either attended, watched live, or consumed the content in some way, shape, or form, they don't have a full list of that. But what they do is they actually have a breakdown of job families. For example, I know a lot of the people that are listening to our podcast tend to be in entrepreneurship, leadership, and then actually sales. Those mm-hmm. are kind of like the three main big ones that a lot of people that are watching the content that we're putting out there. But yes, in in terms of people that are actually clicking attend, have it on their calendar, all of that, you get a full list of that. And that is a great, absolutely great uh data point to see who's who's really consuming things. But at a at a more macro level, you can see job families of everybody that's consumed it at some point.
0: Yeah, let's talk a little bit about video in LinkedIn or video in like YouTube Shorts, TikTok that sort of thing. With ChatGPT coming into action this year, like that came in hot and it really made writing a lot more accessible to the masses if you could just have some prompts and then have some courage to actually test some of these things out so i'm going to be focusing a lot more on video next year myself i want to get more like shorts and things of that nature and i'm just curious your thoughts on like video in general like what's your thoughts uh, moving forward in our industry it seems like a lot of people there are people that are using it but i would say that it's not critical mass yet i would say it's still early adopter stage I would Thoughts? agree with
1: that. I, th- I think it is definitely at the the precipice of of really taking off. That is the the future. I mean, audio and visual content consumption is is really what people are going to want. I mean, and if you think about the generation beneath us, it's eventually going to take over the workforce. Being on Gen TikTok, Z. Instagram. Oh yeah, exactly, Gen Z being on all of that uh, all of those platforms consuming content that way that is how they have learned to mm-hmm. and i think that is why it's so important to start doing that stuff now and going back to your point about chat gbt and in, in written content I still always think there is a time and a place for written content. People are definitely being more cognizant of, okay, was this actually written by somebody or is this just a prompt that was thrown in there and somebody blasted out this whole thing? And it's it's a conversation that we have with our clients all the time in terms of our processes. We've had people ask us straight up in a sales call or whatever it might be and say, hey, do you utilize any type of AI generator or any AI content for this and we say no you know this is something that's very important when we are crafting your message we are industry professionals we come from it we know what a lot of people are looking for Mm -hmm. we want to make sure that we are actually doing it so it's it's interesting to hear that that some people are already aware of that and bringing it up in these conversations it just makes it more relevant like hey you can't just say hey write me this blog or whatever it is you have to be a little bit more creative
0: i was catching a comment on some creators post the other day and it was something like heartfelt about Something bad happened to this guy. I don't remember the exact circumstance, but someone in the comments wrote something and they used GPC for it, but they forgot to take out the question mark or the parentheses (laughs) or whatever. And the guy called them out on it, just like, "Hey, like when you're dealing with human emotion, just get rid of the AI." And I understand that to some sort of degree because it it does feel a little bit—it feels a little stark, I guess, for whatever reason. We talked a little bit about video testimonials, which I I agree. I think those are super solid. Maybe how-to guides. What are other some? What other things would you consider to make out of a video
1: for orgs? Yeah, honestly. So we were we were talking about this with a client the other day, just in terms of content ideation. I think that there's a. a big thing to be said for using that as a sales pitch and in, in not even right a cold call of like it's always hard to do that but if you're sending somebody and just envision right like I'm trying to get 3PL systems as a client you've seen the brand a little bit literally just record a video on my phone and say hey Jeremy I love the content that you've been putting out there right you're building the relevance and why you're reaching out I love the content you're putting out there and everything that I've seen from 3PL systems seems like it's a great product I think that there's something to be said about having your customers speak for you and sell for you on your their behalf, 100%. and sending that that video, right? It'll take thirty seconds to record. You don't have to have the awkwardness of catching somebody when they're at dinner on a cold call, right? You can send it to them, and they can open it at their convenience. But it's also something that really just separates you from the pact. right? You're not just sending out a whole bunch of cold emails, cold calls, whatever it is. I think that that's a nice personal touch that can go a long way. So I think that that's just one example that, again, we've talked about with clients where where video can really go a long way within the industry.
0: Yeah, and I think it's something to do with trust, right? Like I'm in the middle of building a house in Asheville, North Carolina. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is because I'm I'm looking at these different builders and some of the builders are super expensive and it seems like it might be out of reach if I go certain things. I'm looking at different sort of ways of doing things. Like maybe it makes sense to get this thing prefabricated, penalized, built somewhere with cheaper labor and then shipped over there. So I'm like thinking of creative solutions but sometimes when you're finding some of these companies you don't really know much about them so i was looking at this one guy's website and then i was going on the better business bureau just to see if it was legit because you have that constant thing where you're worried about being burned right yeah so i feel so that made it kind of like come into like full picture to me last night part of the reason you show up on video and create content and do these things is to build trust so that when you are ready to to buy people know of coleman and trading the authority on on messaging for the freight yeah. industry and for like video testimonials and things of that nature. So I think yeah. that that's part of the play when I'm ready to go buy, I know where to go get it because I trust these people. Like, whereas I don't really know any of these people on online, unless they are like a big corporation that has like a lot of funding or something like that. If it's just like a yeah. small operation, I'm like, well, I don't really, how do I know if this is legit or not? So I, yeah. I think that that's kind of part of it.
1: Exactly. And think about how many times throughout anybody's career, you've emailed back and forth with somebody so many times, and you finally hop on a Zoom call. And even though you're meeting in person, even just having that connection of a quote unquote face to face, even though again, via Zoom, mm-hmm. you, you automatically feel a lot closer to that person. It's like, wow, I can put a face to this name, like we can have an actual conversation. And I think it goes the exact same way. Even if you started with a video, it humanizes the process.
0: Mm-hmm, for sure.
1: What about... Um- podcasting
0: and we'll define you could obviously have a video podcast but let's just for clarification just call podcasting audio I look at podcasting is like interesting because it it's you could do it like while you're doing a chore you could do it while you're going on a run while you're driving in the car so there's some definite benefits of doing things that way that and a lot of these apps are accessible with like not a lot of doesn't take a lot of power to run like spotify like on your car you can download the episode or whatever So what's your thoughts like on podcasting in our industry? And it seems like more podcasts are popping up, which I think is a positive thing. I think that the more voices that we have, the better. I don't think that there's like any, there's, they could go on forever and probably be fine. So I'm just curious on your thoughts on our industry and podcasting. It seems like it's still early, but also like people are starting to jump in.
1: Yep. Still definitely early. People are starting to pick up on it a lot more, and again, I think that that's we were talking with another potential client about helping them with their podcast. So I think more and more people are are aware of of the need for it in our space and the want for it in our space, and are starting to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the audio side of things because, to your point, you can consume it realistically anytime you want. That is again going back to even live content. One of the harder things is timing up when people have. Forty-five minutes to sit down and consume the the content from a visual perspective. I would encourage everybody that that has some sort of passion to talk about to do it. Right, like I think that there is always a market for any topic you want to discuss. Right, whether it's sales and supply chain logistics, operations in supply chain logistics. If it's about how to mow your lawn perfectly, like I know this stuff sounds crazy, but there is sure. always an audience for for something along those lines. And Think that if it's something that you want to get started with, highly encourage you to. right? You might not get the most traction. You might not get a million views or or uh, downloads in the first week, but if it's if there is something that you're passionate about, I, I firmly believe that your voice should be heard and you should throw that content out there.
0: I wonder what what do you think stops people from doing it? I, I I know when I first started podcasting, I was kind of like in my head and I was like, I don't want to step on other people's toes and who am I? Da, 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 like that type yeah. of thoughts, a lot of self-limiting beliefs, I guess. What do you yeah. think the reason is for that people aren't doing, in general, a lot of these things like whether it's like writing content, doing going live, going on podcasts, guesting on podcasts in general? Do you think it's a, a lack of confidence, or they're just like worried about the way they're going to be received potentially, or like what yeah. is your thoughts on it?
1: Ugh man, the, the list is endless. I, I think part of it is imposter syndrome, right? Think, not thinking that you are qualified or good enough to to have anything to say on a podcast. I think part of it is is taking the risk, right? I mean, us as humans, if we're boiling down to our like most innate traits, mm-hmm. it's we are always looking at risk reward and like, hey, we want to be comfortable. Nobody ever really at the core wants to get pushed out of their comfort zone. And I think that that's a big piece of it as well. And then to your point, too, is, is just thinking, hey, who really cares about what I have to say? Um, and, and that goes back to my point of there's always an audience for whatever topic is. But I think it's it's really a, a never ending list of reasons. But that's also the same thing with like public speaking, right? Nobody really wants, maybe aside from Trey, nobody sure. really wants to get up <laughs> in front of a, a room full of people and talk. But I think it's such no a way. good skill to have and, and put yourself out of a comfort zone mm-hmm. just to to really grow as as a person, not only professionally but also personally.
0: Oh, 100% I respect that too that he's a really good public speaker he you yeah. know, he was our MC at our event me and you were working in the back audio section the video yeah. audio section which was really fun <laughs> yeah um, hiding behind the screens <laughs> yeah, hiding behind the screens or whatever but that that was a fun event let's talk a little bit about like what makes good shareable content cuz i kind of had this inkling when i started this podcast like 3 years ago that if i made it all about 3PL systems or myself that it wouldn't do well mm-hmm. but if i made it about mm-hmm. other people ideating with them on whatever it is that they were good at, like you, like you're good at operations and seeing patterns, marketing things and things like that. A really good pulse mm-hmm. on psychology and the way marketing works, I feel like. So like yeah. I think that that that's the way that I've approached it from the start. I think that a lot of people do have like a lot of selfish content there at times. But yep. thoughts in general on like how to make good content that's shareable.
1: Yeah. You know, I think the biggest thing for me is is just being genuine. I think that there's a lot to be said where you have to know your audience, you have to be able to cater to to that audience. But if you aren't genuine with the content that you're putting out there, people will see through that night and day. Okay. Uh, so realistically, I think it's, it's stuff that you are passionate about that you want to be, that you want to put out there, that's probably the most important part. The second that you try and fake it till you make it might do well a little bit, you know, in the beginning. But I think that there's so much to be said about actually having a passion for whatever you're talking about and being genuine that people uh, receive very well.
0: Mm, that's fair. What about like, if you're a new, like you're in the freight industry supply chain and like you work at a tech company and you want to be like a more of a creator and like you're looking at doing posts or whatever, like how do you, how do you think like some ideas position themselves? Like I try to write about like a couple topics and kind of stick to them and it, to be honest like as a creator it gets super boring. To me <laughs> I feel like when I'm writing about the same thing constantly like I'm so ADD that I really want to go and write about other things, but I think that's just because I'm so close to the content that I feel like I've broken record to some sort of degree. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day like you're really not going to become an authority on something unless you're con- constantly talking about it. Like if you look yeah. at a lot of like the good creators are constantly a lot of the times it's like the same message, like just repeated in some you know different way or whatever. And I think that yeah. like this, this idea of like always constantly wanting to create something new is like maybe a fallacy to some sort of degree, but I would just love to get your thoughts. Like if you were, going to go out and advise someone that like wants to create content, do you think they should do like a couple things and stick to it like two or three bucket list items?
1: This is the the worst best answer in the world. It depends. Uh, you know, I, I 100% <laughs> agree with you that you cannot spread yourself too thin to where then you're losing quality over certain aspects of, of whatever content you're putting out there. But I, mm-hmm. I also think t- that it, to your point, it's important to be able to keep things fresh, keep things exciting. Now, one of the, the ways that we do that is, right, we typically are talking about sales, marketing, and leadership. Obviously, those are very, very big umbrellas, mm-hmm. but all, all kind of tied together in the same theme. And sure. I think it's about telling different stories within mm-hmm. that, uh, I guess, target that you are going through, right? Like, sure, you can always have the same overarching message, but bringing in people or bringing in topics within that, that tell a, a different story that still leads towards the same message that you're trying to get out there. That's something that definitely keeps it fresh. But I think that there's always something to be said to try something new every now and then, but I wouldn't say do try something new and then a day later, try something else new. And then a day later, try something else new, right? At a certain point you have to to stick with it a little bit and see if it's actually uh, going to pan out.
0: Mm, all good points. And then uh, we got like just a couple more minutes here. So just a couple more questions for you and we'll wrap it up. But what are yeah. your thoughts just on like overall content trends in the supply chain industry? We kind of talked about some of them like uh, high level, like video and live and things like that. Are there any other trends that you're seeing or just wrapping it up? Like what what are you seeing for 2024?
1: So uh, definitely from an, an overall content, like we were saying before, visual and audio is definitely a, a huge push now for getting at the more of the... Uh, the micro level, Mm -hmm. it's actually funny seeing a lot of the content that gets pushed out there is almost lagging behind the Instagrams, the the TikToks of the world, where you see a lot of those content trends start moving into the supply chain and logistics space. Mm I mean, it, it makes sense. We are an industry that's playing catch up in terms of a lot of social media, a lot of content that's getting pushed out there. More often than not, you can catch some of these trends literally by tuning in or, or staying on top of a TikTok video or, or something along those lines. And sure enough, in the next couple of weeks, next month or so, you'll see it across LinkedIn and in supply chain as well.
0: I have a question for you too with the, the ROI. So like I, I see a yep. lot of people that don't are very literal. They're not very abstract thinkers. Like my dad, for example, is this way. Like mm-hmm. he's like, he wants to know like how that specific podcast or specific video tied back to that one client in roi and it's it's a really hard problem to solve i mean i don't know if there's software companies that do attribution to that level but i i think that as most marketers you need to see something like multiple times it needs to be like all right someone saw you on on 3pl live's podcast someone saw trey on his edge show someone saw this that blah blah you know they see it like six or seven times and then all of a sudden they're like oh shit that's what they do you know, yep. so I, th- I think it takes time for people to process information. People are cause they're scanning. They're going yep. really quick. They're not sitting there like analyzing every word. They're legit scrolling. How do you for executives that are more boomer generation, not being disparaging by any means, but just mm-hmm. older, like how do you suggest to them that this stuff does work when you yeah. don't really necessarily have specific proof?
1: You're playing the long game. In the the easiest way that I can compare it or I guess have a metaphor for is uh the stock market, right? You don't you don't put in $1,000 and expect to get $1,000 or $2,000 tomorrow, right? You don't you know <laughs> that over time you're slow. Well, I mean, I would love for that to happen, let's be sure. honest. But like from a traditional standpoint, not us crypto guys, I guess. Yeah, but y- you sure. don't expect to have 100x on your return until a year, two, three, four, five years down the line, whatever it mm-hmm. might be. And honestly, marketing is, is a similar type of thing where there is... an effect right off the bat. As soon as somebody sees a piece of your marketing material out there, automatically it is in their brain, even if they aren't aware of it, that makes your brand more recognizable. Mm -hmm. Now, to your point, once they've seen some of that content five, six, seven times, whatever it may be, then if I'm a salesperson, I reach out and say, hey, you know, I would love to talk to you about our product. Oh, I've seen your your information on LinkedIn or whatever it is. That automatically creates a warm and and fuzzy feeling for a prospective client out there as well. So sales and marketing 100% go hand in hand. People just aren't willing to understand that marketing might take a little bit more time. As you start to get the marketing wheel humming within the the cog that is your business, that's when things can really take off.
0: Yeah. Last question for you because I know that Trey and your team is fantastic at this with all of, like the live shows, podcasts, video. Like you guys are right at the forefront of all this stuff. So. I don't. I don't think that you guys do any cold calling. If I would imagine, it seems like it's all just like word of mouth, right? People, yep. all of your leads that come in have to be just from networking, right?
1: Definitely word of mouth for sure. Uh, referrals, one hundred percent. And yes, there, there's no cold calling. Ninety nine point nine percent of the people that we work with, we have met um, in person. We have done something else for in the past. They've they've seen our brand. So yes, there there is none of us here on our team are, are pounding the phones 150 times a day. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It
0: just it seems like kind of just not at the smartest way to do things either. If you think about it, cause people don't like to talk on the phone. They don't answer their phone. I don't yeah. answer any, I mean, if I answer a cold caller, I'm probably just trying to be nice because I've done it before. And usually I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm going to want to go search for the information myself and, educate myself on something like through youtube or whatever through a podcast i'm not going to go i don't know
1: so it's just an interesting thought
0: that they think that that actually is going to work
1: yeah every time i get a call from a number i don't know i'm not answering and like (laughs) sometimes shame on me because it's like oh my car is getting serviced and i forgot that that it was (laughs) or something that i miss it but yeah every single time like no i'm i don't want to deal with this and on the few times that I have answered that, right? Cause I've been in that seat. I've made 150 cold calls a day for mm. a year at a time or whatever it is. So I understand that kind. It's, uh, it, it's hard. So sometimes I'll like give people time a day, but yeah, I would say 95% of the time I'm I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to focus on something else here.
0: hundred uh, percent. It's just because we're being compassionate and empathetic because we've done it before. <laughs> it's not like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. but it's it is definitely interesting. Well, thanks for the conversation, Coleman. That that was really fun. Where do we send people if they want to learn more about you or better?
1: Yeah, yeah, specifically beta, go to betaconsultinggroup.com or on LinkedIn if you want to look up a little bit about me, some of the content that we I myself and and we as a team have put out there, it's just Coleman Ruffin. So super easy. Easy. Thanks for sticking around to the end of that session with Coleman.
0: I really enjoyed it. I always enjoy talking to him. He's a very smart guy, very practical, operational excellence, knows how to get stuff done. Anyways, if you enjoy 3PL Live, please don't forget to tell your friends about us, review us on Spotify and Apple, it always helps the show. We are also looking for sponsors, which would include a little piece of real estate on each episode art for a period of time, say like six months. So if that's something of interest to you, shoot me a message, Jeremy at 3PLsystems.com. Another thing that we're also gonna consider doing is having, uh, be an active part of creating some episodes as well if you're a sponsor at least on some sort of level anyways we appreciate you listening to us happy new year 2024 let's get after it a lot of days left to really make stuff happen thanks for listening